0: scared i'll tell you i'm very scared this morning um when leon asked me to speak well to be honest i'd spoken before as you know in last summer and i spoke on esther but um and since then i've been asked to speak again and i said no (laughs) poor dad sorry but i just didn't feel it was right at the time and um and i remember when leon asked me again and he said three strikes and you're out And I thought, it must be the third strike, but he still asked me. (laughs) And, um, but you know, in a way, I'm I'm glad that I've been able to share what God's really laid on my heart this morning. But in another way, it's quite terrifying. And I've said to both Dan and Leon this morning, I don't know how you do this every week, because honestly, I just can't cope with it, you know. I just feel so burdened uh, with what God has given me to share. And... um, and I just feel like, you know, I, I can't do this every week. And while I was doing my hair this morning, and I, I, I have to do it because, you know, I didn't want to stand up here and look like I'd been dragged from Albury to Hell's Owen. Um, you know, so, and, I, and God really started to speak to me. And he started to say, you know, that uh, he's my strength. He's my fortress. He's everything I need, really. And when I stand in here, I don't stand in my own strength. I stand in his, because it's his word. And I... And I suppose I feel that heaviness and that burden because it is his word and it's a responsibility. pray for these guys (laughs) that have to sort out every week because it's a responsibility and it's a heavy burden to bring God's word and bring it right before you every week. Um, I said I would speak on worship. As soon as I was asked, I knew that was what I was supposed to speak on. Um, and probably because worship is such a big part of my life and my heart, and I've got a real heart for worship. And, um, and I started to think about, you know, the objects of our worship. What, you know, what do we worship? What do people around us worship? I can tell you what, they worship in my office, and it isn't God, I can tell you. You know, it's all about money. It's all about the career prospects. It's all about what's happening in celebrities' lives, You know, and it's like they've got to know the next thing. They've got to know what's happening in the soaps and everybody's life in there. It's the football teams. I live in a house with three guys, and Villa is a big part of my life now. (laughs) It never used to be, (laughs) but it is now. Uh, And I do, I must admit, I have to confess, I do enjoy football. But, you know, it's about the fan. What's the fan like? you know it's their object of worship is their team it's not for everybody but what what is the fan a football fan like you know before they go to the match it's all about what shirt shall I wear shall I wear the one that they won the cup in in 19 whatever it was or shall I wear the most modern one you know who we playing you know will we win have we got a chance of winning where are we in the league tables you know, and then they get there and then they're meeting all of the folks that love the team. And, you know, and they're singing and they're jeering and they're mocking the other side. And the poor referee and linesman, I feel sorry for the lot of them. But, you know, they've got a passion. They've got a real passion. And they go prepared. They go prepared. And they've got a mindset. You know, they want to see their team win and they'll do Everything in their power to jeer them on and to really encourage them to get those goals in the back of the net. And, um, and I started to think about, so that's the preparation, that's getting there. And it's like, and the journey back, the excitement, the emotion, it's just incredible when they win. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I dread it when they lose and they're on their way home. I'm saying, oh, Lord, please. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they're dissecting everything that happens, you know, in those 90 minutes. But, you know, and then God started to say, we have 90 minutes here this morning. 90 minutes. And what do we do with it? What do we do with the 90 minutes that he calls us to every Sunday morning? It's hard. It's very hard sometimes to worship God when you're going through struggles, when you're going through difficulties, when things just are not right. And my per- first point is you don't have to have it all together to worship. You know, if you read scripture, very few people did. Very few. Nearly everybody had struggles and they pushed through, some didn't fell by the wayside. But you know, I really believe that God is saying to us this morning, you know, the environment does not have to be perfect. You do not have to have it all together to worship me. That's what God is saying. And I want to read Psalm 86, verse 1 to 17. And it's about David. And um, Nathan had, I think, it's come to him and spoke to him about, you know, some of the things he'd been doing, highlighted some of the the, th- the wrong things he'd be doing in his life. And, um, and David started to pray. But what I love about this psalm is right in the middle of it, and it's almost dead center, he recognizes who God is. And that's what I think is amazing. So starting from verse 1, Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. O oh Lord, they will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. And then the prayer changes. Teach me your way, O oh Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O oh Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. His prayers changed again. A band of ruthless men seeks my life. Men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. You're slow to anger. Abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may it and be put to shame for you O lord have helped me and comforted me you know david writes in his turmoil but right as i said in the middle of that chapter that psalm he recognizes god's greatness He recognises the greatness of his God, regardless of his state, regardless of his turmoil, his distress, regardless of his sin. He still recognises God's greatness. And I think it's important this morning that we recognise his greatness. And then I looked at some of the characters in the scriptures that didn't have easy lives, but they did what they felt was right, what they had to do before God in terms of worship. And I looked at John 12, to 7 where it talks about um, Mary anointing Jesus' feet. Expensive perfume and using her hair to wash his feet. Probably it was not the prettiest act of worship ever seen. She gave everything she had and more. She was deemed as frivolous and wasteful. But, you know, she worshipped God the way she knew how and the way she felt was right within her heart then david he danced before the lord we all know that story and his wife mocked him and said how silly he looked and he was deemed undignified to be a king but he worshipped anyway he wasn't gonna let words stop him from worshipping his god and then we had hannah at the temple she was desperate very desperate she did not have what she wanted but she worshipped anyway She was mocked by her husband's other wife every year when they went to the temple. And she still went. And I thought, Lord, you know, you are showing me people that struggle through life. Just like us, they struggle through life. And they say, God, where are you in this but, you know, they continued to worship. Can I just say something as well? Because uh, God dropped something in my life. It's right in the middle of this. And it's probably not a good place, but it's a God place. So that's all that matters. And, um, but I feel that there's somebody here that, um, as they drove up on the car park this morning, they said, in their heart, you know, they said, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And they actually said, God, if you don't speak to me today, if I don't hear from you today, I'm not coming back. Now, I don't know who you are, I don't know anything else, I just know that, and God laid that on my heart yesterday morning in the early hours, and I knew it was for today, and I tried to forget it, because I thought, I don't want to look stupid, but you know, God has laid it on me very heavily, and you said, if you don't speak to me today, I'm not coming back. God wants to tell you that he's going to speak to you today. If you need prayer, whoever you are, I don't know whether you want to come now, later, whatever you want to do... But you need to speak to Leon and he will pray for you. And I believe he'll have a word for you too. So just if you feel that, do that. And if you do it in the middle of this, I really don't care because it's, it's God's word, not mine. All right? So feel free to move if you want to. But, you know, we need to come and worship. We need to deal with things in our lives. We need to put them aside like Hannah did and come to the throne of God. Come to his house and worship him. And then I started to look at uh, worship, cultivate a lifestyle of worship. Now, you know, this is a very dif- difficult thing because a lot of people think worship is just about coming here, singing songs, listening to tapes, and, you know, raising your hands. And let's, let's be honest, some of us find it very difficult to do that, even to raise our hands, you know, in a place of worship. But, you know, God wants us to cultivate a lifestyle of worship. And it's not just about what you do here. It's about what you do out those doors. It's about what you do at work. It's about what you do in the home. It's what you do when you go out for a meal with friends. Are you impacting their lives for good? We need to cultivate. Cultivate means to prepare, to work on. And uh, Dan brought the message last week about turning the soil. and, And it's so true. For God to plant his seeds in our lives... We need to continually be cultivating our lives before Him. We need to come before Him daily, regularly, and say, God, you know, turn the soil in my life, prepare this heart for you, to meet with you, to receive from you, to share with you, to commune with you, and with others. We need to cultivate, to prepare, and work on our hearts. And, you know, part of that cultivating is, is about our prayer life, it's about reading the word, it's about our actions towards our neighbours, and it is about coming to church together and worshipping God. And one of the things I wanted to say was about, I mean, there's lots of examples I could have used this morning, but one I really wanted to use is so recent, I really wanted to use it. Now, a friend of mine knows a farmer, a sheep farmer, and uh, Every now and again, when she gets some meat, you know, she always says, oh, Pat, you know, do you fancy going in shares, you know, with the poor sheep? I'm sorry for you vegetarians, but <laughs> I do like lamb. It's probably my most favorite meat. <laughs> but um, anyway, and she said, oh, would we like to go in, you know, together? There's a couple of us and, you know, and we see the, the farmer and gives us the meat, etc." So last week was one of these days. And last Saturday, I went to collect my share for my friend's house. And she was outside, and she was talking to her next door neighbour, an elderly gentleman, lovely man. And uh, when I walked through her gate, she was talking to him, and she handed him uh, a bag with some meat. And she said, Oh I have that for you, you know, your dinner." And I just thought, oh, you know, I thought I want to be like that, Lord. I want to, you know, to to hear you and to reach out to my neighbour. I want to do that. I want to live like that, Lord. I don't want to live for myself. And everything I have is for me. I want to be able to share it. And not just my brothers and sisters, but people don't know you because they're the ones that really need to receive from you at this time. And um, I remember driving home and I was thinking, okay, Lord, I want to be like that. Who can I give some meat to today? That's exactly what I said. And he dropped a neighbour of mine, her name in my heart, and I thought, no. (laughs) I thought, I am not going round to her house, knocking on the door saying, would you like some meat? (laughs) But you know, the most amazing thing is, is, she's not a poor lady by any stretch. And, and I think that's probably where I was looking at it. I thought she's not poor, Lord. She doesn't need it, you know. She's probably done her shopping, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I thought I don't want to go there. And um, but I tell you, I got home and I was starting to put it in freezer bags to freeze it and that. And I'd got some meat and I put it on the side. And you know, God just would not let it drop. And don't you hate it when He does that? It keeps on at you all the time. You do this, do that, do that, and you just think, give me a break. But you know, He kept on, and I'm glad He did. Because I took just two jobs. It's not a lot. She'd lost her husband just before Christmas. And I went round and I knocked her door and I said to her, I said, "Um, you know, my my friend uh, has got this meat and, you know, I've got some and I'd like to give you some. Do you know, her face was incredible. And I just thought, God, I could have missed this moment. Because it wasn't about the meat. It was about making contact with her, opening up a door it's almost like putting that wedge in and pushing it just a little bit further you know and uh, I'm building a lovely relationship with this lady and I just felt it was so right and I, I walked away from there thinking God you know you are just so amazing just a little thing like that so he's not asking you to go out and do anything out of the ordinary it's just normal everyday things thinking about somebody else bringing God to somebody else in your community it's so important so as I said it wasn't about the meat it was the fact that I thought about her and that God really had thought about her even though I didn't say that to her I didn't say "Oh, God told me to bring you two lamb chops (laughs) because (laughs) I just didn't think it would go down so well but you know it was about the fact that I thought about her and that was the most important thing and you know and that's how I want my life to be to hear him speak to me and to act without question. Sometimes, you know, we might not be right. But as long as we're not going to kill anybody, <laughs> what's the harm in stepping out and, and learning and, and practicing your gift? You know, tune in. Let's tune in to God and listen to what he's saying to us and act upon it. It's so important. We need to live it when things are great. And when they're not so great, because, you know, you'll find in difficult times, your worship will come a lot easier because you've cultivated it. You've made it part of your lifestyle. And even though the storm is raging around you, you are still safe and at peace. And I don't know if you've ever felt that, but I've felt it many times. The storm is raging around me, but God has held me in perfect peace. And even though I don't know what the outcome's going to be, I don't know whether I'll get what I want or not. I don't know whether I'll see what I want or not. But it doesn't matter. Because as long as he holds me, that's all that I need. And that is all that you need too. As long as he holds you, it doesn't matter what the circumstances. We need to worship outside of our circumstances. And we need to worship because of his greatness. Acts 16, 22 to 28, Paul and Silas, they're in the prison. You know, and you read things over and over again and you think to yourself, Blumenick, you know, how come I didn't see that before? And it was like they were severely beaten, severely. Now, you know, there's no human rights in them days, I don't believe. You know, you haven't got somebody popping up saying, you are, you've treated these prisoners badly. They were beaten severely. And then they were imprisoned. They were chained but you know something, they worshipped regardless. And that's the bit that amazes me. They worshipped. And the Bible says at midnight they were praying and singing hymns to their God. Then God shook the earth. How amazing is that? That's what our praise and our worship and our lifestyle can do. We can shake the earth. You can shake your families. You can shake your office, your factory your shop you can shake it because when you start to praise and start to sing and start to pray god starts to move he starts to shake the earth and you know when i read on and i thought oh it's it's just such an amazing story i hate starting reading bits of scripture because i just feel like i want to go on and on and on and read more and more and more but it's so exciting when you get into god's word and i got to the bit about the jailer where he was ready to kill himself because he thought everybody had run And thinking probably about the consequences for him. And Acts 16, 29 to 34, it says, and I'll read it because I think it's important. 29 to 34, and it says, The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord, Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. We are being watched at all times even when you think you're not they're listening and they're watching you people that don't know God but want to know more about him because they've seen you and they think there's something about that person I can't quite put my finger on it there's something different about them whether you've advertised that you're a Christian or not it's irrelevant because if Christ is in you it starts to become evident to those around you and they are watching you at all times make sure your lifestyle matches up to what you say Make sure that you live in a way that can impact others. Because Paul and Silas, what they did, impacted others. And it had a ripple effect. Because it didn't just reach the jailer and probably the other prisoners, but it reached his whole family. How important is what we say and do? And at the end of the day, it would have been a matter of eternal life. And eternal death. And so we have to be careful. We have to take this responsibility. Um, and somebody had sent me a, 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 a text in the week, and, um, and it was from this guy from Holy Trinity Brompton, and he's the chairman of Alpha International. And uh, his name's Ken Coston, and he's written a book called God at Work. And I was looking up at him, because obviously when I got the text, I thought, I want to see what, you know, what this guy does and who he is, etc., etc. et cetera. And um, he's a very successful man in the banking industry. And um, one of the things he said was, most of us thrive on pressure. So under pressure, we're okay. But stress kills perspective. Now, you might say to me, oh, it's a really strange thing to say right in the middle of the word. But, you know, all these guys were under pressure. Paul and Silas were under pressure, I would say, in that prison, chained and bleeding probably all over the place. You know, they were under pressure, but they weren't stressed because they knew their God. And the reason we know that is because they worshipped. They sang psalms and hymns and they raised the roof for Jesus But you know something, when you're stressed, it's a whole different thing. And I know what that's like because I was stressed with my job and the things at home. I'd gone through all that and I thought, God, you know, I don't know what's going on here. And sometimes, you know, you don't know whether you're coming or going. And you don't know whether you're sitting or standing, and you don't know whether you're actually, you know, supposed to be sorting something out at home or at work. And it just got very, very stressful. And we've recently gone through an assessment at the NHS, and um, and that was hard because obviously everybody's sort of trying to get information, and you've got to have evidence, et etc. Et if you know, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, you've got to prove what you're doing is right, and it, you know, all matches up to policies, etc. And uh, it was difficult, a very difficult time, and I felt quite stressed about it because obviously my manager was saying to me oh pat you know you need to be doing this that and the other and then i'm saying to my team you need to be doing this that and the other to share some of the work but i did feel quite stressed about it and working late and it was like 18 months of preparation it was crazy but you know and then i remember i started to lose perspective I started to think, I'm stressed here. And I I was thinking, gosh, I ain't got time to read the word. I haven't got time to pray. I was getting to the prayer meetings late. I'm still getting to the prayer meetings late. (laughs) Late is my middle name. But, um, you know, I just really felt that God was saying to me, slow down. You know, give it all to me. Let me take the load. And, you know, let's get your perspective back. You know, why am I here? Why do I do the things I do? Am I impacting people for the right reasons? Am I pointing them to God? Am I showing that God is my strength? Am I showing that? In stress, you lose it all because you can't see the wood for the trees. All you can see is things coming at you that you need to do and you haven't done. But, you know, stress kills perspective. But worship gives perspective. Worship, giving your best. Make it your ambition to be the best worshipper you can be. We will never give God what he truly deserves because we are human. But we can try and give him the best that we can give. Eli's sons, how could two young men with such great prospects and a calling into the priesthood upset God as much as they did? They were priests and yet they upset God. 1 Samuel 2.12 says, they had no regard for the Lord. And it was all to do with the offerings that people bought, a sacrifice, and they were taking it before it had done all that it was supposed to do. And they were taking it before they were supposed to. And then verse 17 says, their sin was great. They treated the Lord's offering with contempt. And that's a terrible thing. And sometimes, you know, we have to look at our lives and we have to say, God, help me never to do that. Help me never to treat your offering with contempt and the offering of others. Because sometimes we can see, we look at others and we just think, you know, they're so far away from you, Lord. They're so far away from you. But, you know, you are God's special person. And you're here for a reason. We shouldn't look upon you with contempt because God sent his son to die for you, you're important to him, just like I am. You see, we can be in the right places, saying the right words, doing the right things, and yet our hearts can be so far from him. May God really help us to see where we are and make a move. God is looking for a clean heart that brings him worship in spirit and in truth. David writes a prayer of repentance in Psalm 51, verse 10 to 17. And then he says, create in me a pure heart, O God. If we could bring a sacrifice of anything apart from ourselves, we'd bring it, wouldn't we? Because it it doesn't cost us that much. But he asks for our heart, a clean heart. Anything else is not enough. Verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. It's important that repent of our our sins, our wrongdoings. God will forgive us because he said he would. And we need to put it behind us and begin to worship. Because you know something, the enemy will keep us there. He'll keep us there because we are ineffective while we're there. But as soon as we've brought it to God, and to be honest, only you will know whether you're truly sorry. Nobody else really knows. Only you and God will know that. And then move on. Move on in him. Don't stay in that place. Because all the enemy will do is, is just pile more stuff on you and then you'll feel like you can't shift yourself at all. You know, May, Mary gave her precious oil. She gave all she could give. Hannah gave Samuel. Samuel. Paul and Silas, gave their lives. It's so important for us to give our best. And when you think you've given your best, you can give more. God the Father gave his best in Jesus. There was no ram in the thicket to save him. There was no spotless sheep enough to take away the sins of man. And there was no human good enough to die for us. Only Jesus, God's only Son, He's worthy of our worship, our praise, and our very lives. And just to finish, I just want to read um, Ephesians 5, half of 18 and 19. And um, the verse says, Instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier Ken, Ken Costa saying that stress kills perspective, but worship gives perspective. And someone wrote this. I don't know who it is, but I just want to finish with it. Worship gives us a heavenly perspective. It causes us to look upward to the one who holds our world in his hands. The very God who created us and wrote our destiny. Worship allows us to see God for who he really is, to exalt his name and lift him high. Worship draws us into his presence and lets us know his heart. To worship God is to say, I want more of you, Lord, and less of me. It gives us ears to hear his voice and eyes to see his ways. Let's pray. God I just thank you. I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that we don't have to have it all together. I thank you that we can cultivate a lifestyle of worship. I thank you that you want our best and anything else is not good enough. God, I pray that you're creating us a clean heart this morning that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. God that you might be pleased with our offering of praise and worship today. I thank you, Lord, for moving in this place. And I thank you for what you're going to do in lives, Lord. Lord, I pray that you help us to step out of our comfort zone and to look to you and to receive from you this morning. Because, God, you want to meet with us. You want to meet with us. And your word says, if we lift you up, you will draw us to yourself. God, and I pray. That we will do that this morning. We'll apply this word to our lives and apply our lives to you, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thanks, Pat. That's great. Why don't we just stand together and just uh, just think, Pat's just really shared her heart with us this morning, and we want to. Res- we've got time. We want to respond to that in worship, don't we? Which is the the fitting and appropriate way. And I just really sense that you know, that there are some of us this morning that perhaps the pressure in your life has got to a point where it's, it's become a perspective killer and uh, you're struggling to see God and you're struggling to see the way through. And I just want to encourage you to, to worship God. And it may be that because the pressure is building up too much, it may be helpful for you to ask someone else to pray for you. So as we're worshiping, I want to encourage you to come and respond and come out here and and, and if actually you're just saying, look, I just want someone else just to pray into this area of pressure, you know, that God would somehow release that, release that pressure valve enough for you to get some perspective. And if you are the person that that word was for, that you came this morning and saying, I don't know why I'm here and if God doesn't speak to me, I'm not coming again, then I'd love to talk to you and I would love to pray for you. So while we worship, guys, is that okay? Just worship God where you are. But if you want someone to come and pray for you, then I'll encourage you to come. And if pressure is killing your perspective, then ask God to release that again this morning, that you would see Him and that you would know Him. And, you know, pressure is is okay, up to a level, as Pat has said. But when, when it becomes stress and it becomes a killer of perspective and we get anxious and we can't see the wood for the trees, that's when God says, come to me. Come to me. You who are weary. You know, I'm going to give you rest. God doesn't want us to carry that burden of anxiety and stress. Okay, he says, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is is, is light, he says. My yoke is easy. And uh, when we're too stressed and we can't see, we need intervention from the Holy Spirit. So let's worship. If you want prayer, come. Some people will come and just pray for you that God would release that. And if you are that person and uh, God has spoken to you this morning about that, then I would love to pray for you. So let's let's worship. Father, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for just opening up your heart to us through Pat. And God, I pray that we're going to sing these songs that people have written. as The songs aren't worship, Lord. The songs are like the triggers that release worship. Worship is when we bring our lives before you. And God, I pray that as we sing, we won't just sing, but we'll bring our lives before you. We'll honour you, Lord God. We'll lift up our eyes to you because you are worthy. You are worthy of our worship and praise. Even in we're in a tough time right now, God, you're still worthy of our worship. God, if we're under pressure, God, I pray that that through worship we'll get a new perspective on our life. God, in Jesus' name. You know, we all think we're under pressure and yet we realise on our news people are under pressure. And God, sometimes wherever we are, God, we need that perspective. So, Lord, help us, I pray as we worship and as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen.